When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. Or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by David, and David's been having some weird encounters while out hunting in the, in the Glasshouse Mountains, just north of Brisbane. David, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. It's great to have you on, mate. This is take two for us. The listeners don't know that, but... We had some weird, funky stuff happen with the first recording, and what you've been experiencing just north of Brisbane is really, really interesting, so I had to get you back on to to share what's been going on. So, mate, weird stuff's been going on while you've been hunting. Let's talk about this. Yeah, well, um, there was a spot where we were at where we knew that there was a a pretty good-sized boar, so we would go up there a few days before and just sort of scout around without the dogs. And anyway, we thought we had this this pig's number. So the night come, it was like a full moon, and we went on to the nut farm, let the dogs out, started walking through, and within about 10 minutes or so, the dogs took off. And it wasn't too long after that where we heard a bit of commotion. It was sort of they were running away from us, chasing something. So we sort of jogged along, and as we got closer to the edge of the farm, which backed on to the forestry, to me, it just sounded weird. Like the dogs had caught a lot of pigs and it just, there's just something weird that it didn't sound like it was a pig. But anyway, we got to the edge of the farm on the track and then there was nothing, like complete silence. And a few moments later, all the dogs come out of the bush there was five of them. Their tails were between their legs. 
and I was with a mate of mine, Andy, and they were just hanging with us, and they just looked freaked out. And we were sort of a bit bewildered what was going on, and then all of a sudden, a tree snapped. It wasn't a small tree, it was sizable by the sound, and then a deep, loud growl just come out of the bush, and we sort of didn't really know what was going on. It was a bit weird. And then that was followed by the loudest roaring, shrieky howl, whatever you want to call it I've ever heard in my entire life. It just went straight through us. And then there was just silence. <laughs> we were just looking at each other, just going, what the hell? So anyway, we sort of kept hunting. We just started walking along the boundary, but I did notice the dogs kept looking behind us. So we may have got another 250 or so metres down the track and the dogs took off again into the bush. So all the tracks up there, all the blocks are basically rectangular. So I had to run a few hundred metres down to the bottom where I could zip across the end and then back up into the block because it's pretty thick and even in the daytime, you don't want to be running through there. So anyway, I get down to the bottom and head back up into the block. I was only in there about 50 or so metres, and then I heard up ahead another tree break. So I've ran up to roughly where I presumed where that happened, and then I just waited and listened, and then I could hear these footsteps. And then all one of my dogs lobbed up, and I'm trying to sool it in the bush, and it didn't want to go in there. And then a few moments later, my mate Eddie lobbed up and was standing there. He could hear it. So I just said, oh, stuff this. So I just walked in. And oh, if I remember correctly, it would have been about 15, 20 feet I walked in, and I stopped. And I could hear this thing breathing. Whatever it was, it was tall. Like the noise was way up in the air. And I assume I was roughly 15 yards from it or whatever you, something like that. <clears throat> and I stood there and I'm just listening to it. And then I've yelled out to Andy. I said, I can hear it breathing. And he pretty much told me to get the hell out of there. So I thought that was a good idea. And got back onto the track. And we walked up through that block, got out onto the nut farm, headed towards the vehicle, and then the dogs took off back towards where we just come from. So we started running after the dogs. And then all of a sudden, the dogs come flying back past us. <laughs> it was like, holy, what the hell? So we just basically just ran towards the car and got in it and called it a night and just was scratching our heads. We didn't see anything, but we heard a hell of a lot. That's incredible because I have so many questions for you about this because, one, what was going through your mind when you heard this this growl? Because you almost seemed a little bit unfazed by it. Well, we'd been hunting that area and I... I would go to Cape York hunting pigs by myself. Like, I'm I'm not scared of anything, really. 
not in the Australian bush. Like, it's not as if we have mountain lions and bears and all that. Like, I just roll out a mattress and sleep on the ground in the middle of Cape York. And, like, it just doesn't faze me. I just never thought that there was anything to be scared of. I used to go up there by myself all the time um, to this location. Middle of the night, whenever, it just didn't matter. Just like, oh, yeah, let's go. That's a really interesting point, and I just want to point that out because we have a lot of international listeners who who may be really scratching their heads about why you would be like that, but you're right. Australia doesn't really have any natural predators. I mean, there's the the crocodile, but that's that's not like a, an everyday thing. Well, actually, maybe up at Cape York it is, but the, the crocodile is not going to be doing what you're doing in that situation. No, and... I think if it happened again now, after I've done a fair bit of research on the topic, I would be in a totally different state of mind, knowing that there's something in there that could literally rip you from limb to limb. But up there, also, we have found sticks pushed in into the fire road that would be roughly as round as a, a V can pushed in 80 to 100 mil just into the fire road. And... There's just no reason that they should be there. And we also found quite a few spots where they'd put sticks in the ground, like three in a row, like just in a row in a chip bark pile, as if to say it's, I don't even know, like a, a marker of some sort. Um, I pulled them out and they all had the same kind of, edges on them on the point that were actually put into the ground um we found tree bites where you could clearly see the canine teeth with the incisors in the middle and i actually measured it and one was about 61 to 62 millimeters from canine to canine um there was another time up there after that, where I was just sitting in the car, just basically having a, giving the dogs a bit of a spell, and on the other side of this little valley, as the crow flies, it would have been maybe 70 metres, it just sounded like someone slammed the car door. It was just, that's the noise it made. Anyway, I drove over to that, and there was nothing there. I did not see a single thing, and that was quite bizarre too. It definitely sounds like you're having an interaction. Like Everything that you're saying here really does point towards what I would say is classic Yowie behavior because the the, the huge tree snapping that you're hearing, the, the growl, all of that is really common when it comes to, to Yowie encounters and then going that, that step further and then seeing all these sticks pushed into the ground and, you know, d- depending on who you who you listen to and, and who you trust about this type of stuff. But, you know, some people believe those to be almost uh, like markings or, or kind of boundary markers, things like that, or even, you know, potentially pointing to to food sources or something like that. So that that all there really does say to me that's a, that's a yowie in that area. Yeah, well, I met another guy a few years later, and he was a mountain biker, and he used to do a lot of Ks up there. He used to race and pretty much in the same block that the stuff happened with us 
he actually got chased along the creek or flanked. He said it followed him for like a, quite a few hundred metres and he was stopping and shouting. He thought it was just someone just playing games or whatever, but he said it was some of the trees that were breaking um, just from this thing running after him. He said it, it was something big. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there's there's something quite large running around the bushes up that way. So I, I have to ask you here, David, has your have your dogs ever reacted like that in a hunt before? Never. Never. Before that, a mate of mine ran into these people. They used to call themselves the, the Yowie Hunters. And they were telling him that dogs would be scared of them and I'd talk to me mate and go, no way, you know, but <laughs> they were right. These dogs did not want a bar of anything. And these are dogs that would swing on 100 kilo pigs like in the mangroves and like they were, they were pretty tough dogs. Yeah, for those who don't know hunting dogs, they are, they're pretty ruthless. They're the toughest dogs kind of going around really. Yeah, like you see what they do and yeah, like they legit tough, but yeah, they went to water. Yeah, wow, that's was that raising any alarm bells for you at that time? Um, no, because I didn't really think that there would be anything to be scared of or worried about. So you, you weren't know? a believer of the Yowie before you had this encounter, then? I used to laugh at the fact, like I had. Did not believe it existed at all. So, what did you think was going on when you had this encounter then? Because the the tree snaps, the growl, the the way your dogs acted, was this causing just some high level of confusion for you, or was this just wow, this is new? I've never experienced this before. Well, I think just the fact that we kept hunting, we weren't really phased, but when come to the time a bit later on where I wasn't really too far from whatever it was and I could hear it breathing well that sort of yeah that I think that was the moment where I, I was starting to maybe get a bit worried how big do you think that thing was because if you could hear it breathing and you could hear it that it's breathing above you at a guess what what do you think that would have been well I'd, I'd only be guessing but I would easily say that it was over six foot the bush, if I had the torch technology back then that I have now, I would have seen it, like, without a doubt. The torches back then, they were really hopeless in comparison to what we got now. What year did this originally happen? That was 2004. And we were going up in that area an awful lot, maybe three times a week, because we... The macadamia nut farm used to get raided by the pigs, so we were sort of up there on guard duty almost. And this was the only time that you had an encounter with this this thing that, I mean, on the other times that you were there, did you notice anything unique? Now that you know a little bit more about the Yowie, did you notice like there was any traits that were may stick out to you now if you were able to go back to that experience? Um, Up until that point, there was absolutely nothing that would indicate to me that that happened. 
So it's just pure luck. You've run into this thing. And then I could only imagine the the anger that built up in this creature, the fact that it roared at you. And then you and your mate just kind of shrug it off and go, well, let's keep going. Yeah, well, it must have got jazzed up a bit by the dogs because there was a commotion. What do you mean by that? Like, the do you think the dogs went for it or do you think this thing was chasing the dogs? I think maybe the dogs got onto the pig and maybe it was chasing the pigs. Oh, for food. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's it's just bizarre. But, yeah, it's very confusing. Like, it, it really put a spanner in the works. And it was only like a month later, I took the apprentice from work up and I told him the story and he, he just thought I was bullshitting. But we were cruising around up there, just hunting the dogs off the back of the ute. And I run into another hunter from Woodford, which was oh, not very far from there. And I, we started chatting and I, I asked him, I said, does anything weird ever happen to you up here? And he said, weird? I'll tell you weird, mate. And he basically said the same story. And the look on this apprentice's face, he he's just like, he started shitting himself. Because we got back in the car, he's like, it's real, isn't it? It's real. I said, well, you yeah, know, I told you what happened. I could only imagine the, the terror that went through that young kid's <laughs> <laughs> mind during the rest of that trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't have a gun or anything. He's like, well, the dogs are scared of it. What are they going to do? I said, well, this Hilux can <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, the the Yowie isn't the only thing that you you think may be up that area because you've actually heard stories from other people in that region about potentially another type of creature. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Yeah, well, I did, like, my eyes are glued to the ground when I'm up there looking for pig tracks. So, I used to see a dog track or tracks that made my dog's tracks look quite small and i was pretty much under the impression someone's hunting a big great dane mastiff cross sort of thing you know it might have been 60 65 kilos or so and because my dogs were i like fighting weight like 43 45 kilo and yeah it was just quite a bit bigger than their um footprints but the manager of the nut farm i was talking to him one day and he said, just watch out for the big black dog. And I, I shrugged it off. I'm like, well, what have I got to worry about? I've got these bloody dogs here. It's only one of that, so, you know. But then I sort of 
got onto this topic on this uh, topic of the dog man and I got onto the dog man encounters website and there's actually an encounter at Landsborough written down on his web page where the guy gets off the train gets onto the street and looks down the road and sees something standing there and he sort of looked at it and basically got down on all fours and ran down the street so that sort of and that was quite a few years later when i sort of discovered all that sort of stuff and it it just clicked and i instantly remembered what the the guy on the farm told me about the big black dog so yeah i don't know and as the crow flies it's it's not very far it wouldn't even be 15 kilometers oh yeah that's close yeah and if there is a you know a food source of pigs or or something like that in that area that are you know frequently going there i could imagine it would be a, a bit of a magnet for any type of large predator yeah well there's um the Ewan Maddock Dam, just near Landsborough, um, it's quite a big water catchment area. Dam, it's got lots of stuff around it. So yeah, who, who knows? Like, it just—I just thought it was weird that the correlation became quite clear when I heard the two different, uh, you know, the one on the website and the and the farmer. It just—I just went, wow, what if? And then there was a a guy. On one of the pages on the Facebook from the Sunshine Coast, yeah, we, uh, one of them. Anyway, I, I messaged him and he basically told me he saw a dog man down near Mount Beerbarum. So how far away is that from your location? That's not far at all. They're all in like a 15 kilometre, sort of maybe 20 kilometre radius, probably even less, depending which way you go to each each mountain. There's a series... It's a series of mountains in one sort of area. So that's potentially three different sightings in that area. Yeah. That's incredible. That that really blows my mind because Dogman is this really, really kind of common cryptid over in the United States. But over here in Australia, it is honestly the one of the rarest things that I, I would hear people running into. And to have essentially three encounters in in a 15 kilometer radius basically in yowie territory that's really intriguing to me it would um really change your life outlook and run into one of those things if they exist <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah I, I, I could only imagine what happens to, to people's mindset after they they see something that you know seeing a yowie is you know life-changing enough as it is but to to see a dog man in that same area you'll be like geez what am i getting myself into living in this this part of town yeah well you could sort of maybe understand a a yowie sort of being an undiscovered sort of a thing as it's almost you know just a giant big hairy human maybe looking thing anyway but the other like that just should be in the movies and the van helsing and, and so forth yeah, I'm with you on that one there. I think, um, you know, I'm very much along the the mindset that the Yowie can be a flesh and blood creature. But when I hear these stories of, of dogmen and, and stuff like that, I, I just wonder if there's something else to that type of creature because it just seems so unnatural and so unhuman. I know it's a, it's a dogman, but there's just something so, I guess, 
unsentient about it that it, it, it feels like it could be something darker. Yeah. Yeah, uh, indeed. But yeah, the um, there was another time that I went hunting with a mate of mine, a different mate, and it wasn't actually too far up the road. There's a place called Kilcoy. And for some strange reason, the, the landowner, he was in the back of my car with his gun and all he had to do was pull the trigger. Like, <laughs> he was like, wouldn't go anywhere without this gun. But anyway, we, we stopped and we walked up this gully. I was in the bottom, sort of the creaky bit, and he and my mate were on this logging track, which was halfway up the hill. And then my mate, we'd been there maybe six, seven minutes, not even ten, and he yelled out to me and he goes, did you hear that, Dave? And I went, hear what? And he said, it sounded like someone's hitting a tree with a log. And I'm like, oh, okay. So anyway, the landowner and him went back to the car and I kept going. And I got up another, I don't know, 250 or so metres because I, I thought that it was going to be a pig up this valley. It was really good country. But anyway, you get to that point and on the right-hand side, I heard a tree knock. It was about three or four knocks. And then on the other side, there was more tree knocks. And I'm just like, oh, shit, I'm getting out of here. And then went back and at the creek next to where the car was parked, they found this massive big shit on a rock in the middle of the creek and it wasn't a cow shit and my, my mate actually grabbed it and put it in a plastic bag and had it in his freezer <laughs> 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 like it it just one of those things where it's like you know what the hell is that doing there you know it's it's so weird that that seems to be a thing with these creatures it's I wonder if that's a like a, a territory marking thing or if, if you know you've just kind of rolled across their their bog spot. <laughs> well, it would have been perfect, you know, like they had a good spot to to give himself a douche <laughs> if that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> but coincidentally, not far from where all this was going down, it was an actual spot of an Aboriginal massacre. Oh, really? I forget the number of them, but it was substantial. And I remember the property owner saying, over there is the spot. So I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but I thought it quite uh, weird. Yeah, no, that, that definitely is. You know, I, I believe that the the Australian landscape, I think, is a very spirit, spiritual place. And the the Aboriginal history, you know, goes back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And to to think that there there isn't some type of connection to that land, it I think it'll almost be foolish to to say that, you know, there isn't some that potentially something going on there. Yeah. So you said earlier that you used to laugh at people who said they had Yowie encounters now and uh well had Yowie encounters in the past and kind of kind of brushed it off but it it genuinely sounds like now that you're you're very clued up on the on the subject and you you knew that those wood knocks are not good news when it comes to 
being caught out in the bush, especially if there's happening on either side of you. Is is that something that you're you're a full on believer of now? One hundred percent. I'll just meet people for the first time and I'll just say, Hey, I've had a Yowie encounter and I'll tell them. I remember it was only maybe four or five days after that initial one where I started uh, in a new bricky gang. And the first day I was sitting there for Smoko and I told him what, what happened. And because I went back up there the very next day after that encounter and looked around and actually found one of these sticks that was um, in the ground. So I had that in the car and it actually had a, a bite out of it. And then I went to the car and showed these bricklayers the, the stick with the bite out of it. And they all thought I was a dickhead until they saw the stick. And then they're just like, holy hell, because you could see the um, the teeth marks in it. How, do, how does that go down with you showing people things like that? Does that, do you find that actually changes their opinion? Yeah, well, everyone who knows me, like I, I don't drink, I'm not a drug addict. And I was out in the bush like three to four nights a week hunting pigs. And if anyone's going to have an encounter, it's it's not going to be the guy watching the TV at home. It's the guy up in the bush. So everyone who knew me did not doubt me for one single second. That's fantastic. I lived a pretty exciting life with, oh, you know, there's always a girlfriend here and there and the pig hunting and stuff and like i always had stories and this was just another one and yeah there was no doubt in anyone's mind yeah wow that's that's actually good and it's, it's kind of refreshing to hear that because you know i've had so many people come on this show and they've they've had so much trouble to to talk to anyone about their encounter just because you know they kind of fear the the ridicule that may come from that but like i said it, it's just so great to hear that you know you were able to just go out there and say no mate this definitely happened to me and there's there's no little laughs behind your back or anything like that yeah well a mate of mine he um runs one of the premier muay thai gyms in the country and um yeah i just went down there and told all the boys and they were like holy shit (laughs) like they believe me that's fantastic i think that's i think that's so great that you just you have that persona about you that you can go out there and tell this and people are just like, hey, mate, if he if he said he saw that, he saw that. Pretty much, yeah. Because like, there was a time where I went up and basically lived out of my land cruiser for eight and a half months up in the northern part of Australia, just catching pigs and working here and there. But I basically lived in the bush for, for that long, back in the 90s, mid-90s. And, yeah, people just know that if I say a story, it's, yeah, it's pretty much fair dinkum. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So what do you think this the Yowie is then? So you've had some time to think about it. You've done a fair bit of research about it. What do you think this creature could be? That's the million-dollar question, I believe. I actually didn't see it, so I can't give a visual, but I know it, bre- uh, it, it breathes. I know it it's got to be some sort of physical creature because the noises it made, it breaks trees. I heard it walking. Um, yeah, I just guess it's just some big bipedal bloody animal. And I think that's, you know, that's a great outcome from it. You know, I think that's a great guess because no one no one knows what it is. And I always like to ask the people who have had these 
really fascinating encounters because everyone kind of has their own perception of what this thing could be based off the interactions that they had. And, you know, everything from your encounter is all very much uh, interacting with the, the physical surroundings that you were both in. Yeah, well, I'll never forget it, is, that is for sure. And when I'm, like, I'm in, I'm pretty much a full-on mountain biker now, and I'm always in the bush. I've never had any sort of weird other encounter, strange things that have happened since being a mountain biker. But it seems that when I was hunting, like, you'd be in the bush deep. You know what I mean? Like, you were out there. And I suppose if anyone's going to come across them, it's it's probably more likely going to be hunters than anybody else. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, before I let you go, mate, just before we started recording, you you told me that you had a, a run-in with a, a big cat here in Australia, in Tasmania, of all places. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, well, I was on my way to Tasmania, and I left a town called Seymour, at about 1.30ish in the morning to get down to Melbourne to get on the ferry. I was off to Derby for a mountain biking holiday. And I was heading down. I was going over this range and I was coming around a corner. I had the light bar on and I just saw the back end of a fawn-coloured... It was a big cat, there's like no doubt. The tail was long and it was about as round as a coke can. And the way the animal slinked over this big log, there was no doubt to me what it was. Like, I've seen that many kangaroos bouncing around and they can't slink over anything like that. Like this was a big cat. So it where, wasn't did you, a dog. where did you say that one happened then? Because I think I, I think I falsely said Tasmania. Yeah, well, this was in Victoria, just south of a town called Seymour which is about 100 or so k's north of Melbourne. And Victoria has a really rich history of uh, big cat sightings too. Yeah, yeah. I've done a – I've looked up a few things and you know, you do have, Gippsland too I think is a bit of a hot spot for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. For anyone who's actually looking to, to get into more big cat sightings, um, you have to go check out a podcast. I think it's it's called Missing Panther, and it's done it by a guy here in Australia called Benny. Really, really good bloke, and um, he covers so many different uh, big cat sightings. So um, you've probably listened to that one yourself. Yeah, I actually binge watched the whole series that he had in one day. Yeah, yeah, doesn't surprise me. He's uh, his content's good, so definitely go check that out if you if you haven't listened. But yeah, it's um. That's really interesting, the that big cat sighting, because, you know, you hear a lot of, like, big black cats, but the the encounter that you had is so unique. Yeah, and I was so awake, it wasn't funny, because there was a um, or some police incident in the car park of the hotel I was staying at. I actually had my alarm set for much later in the morning, but that all happened, and I thought, well, I'm not going to get to sleep, so I'll just leave early. So I had a bit of adrenaline down, and it was just like, wow. Did I just see that? Yes, I did. Does, did that put a bit of an extra pump into your pedal there? If it wasn't such thick um, terrain, I actually would have. I would have got out of the car with the torch. I've got some pretty kick-ass torches now, like three thousand lumen bloody things, and they light up 
like daylight now i would have um yeah i would have jumped out but it was it was really thick yeah yeah it it and you know what those things move so quick too the by the time you you would have stopped and got down there, it could have been halfway across the valley or something by then. Yeah, or it could have been waiting for me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's exactly it, man. Uh, who knows? I don't know jujitsu like the guy in America who put one in a suplex and killed it. <laughs> well, David, it has been really fascinating talking to you tonight, mate. You may be the only person I know that's uh, been growled by yeah, growled at by Yowie and uh, kind of shrugged it off and just kept going on with your day. So. I think that's a I think that's a podcast first, mate. So I'll happily hand you the uh, the man badge for this episode. Yeah, well, it wouldn't happen again. Trust me. <laughs> and that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au. Or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe, and you've been listening to Believe, Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.